Welcome back to another episode of Couch Detectives. I'm your host, LB. That's me. And as always, I want to start off by saying thank you for being here. Over the past couple of weeks, our community has grown so much, and I am so grateful. Y'all, we have Couch Detectives in 23 countries. That is so crazy yet so amazing to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. To my loyal listeners, I love you guys so much and I am beyond appreciative for your continued love and support. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it will encourage you to stick around and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also follow Couch Detectives Podcast for visuals and updates on Instagram at Couch Detectives Podcast. Now let's jump right into it. We have made it to the last episode of Black History Month, and I have thoroughly enjoyed these episodes and the special guests that have taken part in helping me bring these cases to you. With this last episode, I am going to discuss something that has never really been my primary focus for several reasons, but it is a huge matter that plagues the African-American community. This week, I am all in America's backyard as I bring you cases of the Black and Missing. In 2020, in the United States, almost 600,000 people were reported missing, and about 40% of those people were Black. These were just the ones that were reported. There is a huge stigma that comes along with people of color being missing. Oftentimes, they're labeled as runaways, which is detrimental to any investigation because it will not be done thoroughly. If they aren't classified as runaways, then they are labeled as being associated with some sort of criminal activity, which also leads to an inadequate investigation. And if it's not labeled as a runaway or criminal behavior, then their socioeconomic background comes into play, which still leads to a meager investigation. Either way, when Blacks go missing in America, their cases are not treated nearly as important as individuals that are white. And not just that, missing Blacks remain missing four times longer than missing whites. This is likely not really surprising to my African-American listeners in America because this is the reality of our world, but it's not a fair reality. Along with these statistics, I want to highlight a few cases of missing Blacks in America that were mishandled and or ended tragically because they were mishandled. I will not go into as much detail about each case as I usually do, simply because that would make for an extremely long episode. But I will put links and references in the description where you can find more information about each case. The cases I am going to cover today vary in age and outcome. First, we have the case of Jolie Musa. In 2018, Jolie Musa was 16 years old, living in Alexandria, Virginia. She was an identical twin, and her and her twin sister were extremely close. Jolie enjoyed spending her spare time with friends, family, music, and like most teenagers, on social media. On January 12, 2018, Jolie and her twin sister were hanging out at home after school 
when Jolie received a Snapchat message that made her get up and tell her sister that she had to go immediately. She told her sister that she would be right back, but leaving out of the house on that day would be the last time her twin sister saw her face to face. About two hours after she left the house, Jolie messaged her twin sister and told her that she was actually going to be going to a party in Norfolk, Virginia, which was a little under a four-hour drive from Alexandria. And though her sister found this to be odd, she didn't make a big fuss about it, even though she probably should have. Jolie didn't return home that night. Neither did she come home the next day. On January 13th, her parents called the police to file a missing persons report because this was not like their daughter. They knew their daughter, but apparently the police thought they knew her better. They collected video from the home surveillance system and they saw Jolie leave out of the house at her own free will and immediately labels this case as a runaway. Despite the fact that her parents and everyone around her were adamant about something being wrong and the fact that the police were not taking it serious enough for her parents truly angered them. Not only did they not believe that she was in danger, but they didn't even issue an Amber Alert and she was a minor. In America, if you are under the age of 18 and you go missing, there is typically an Amber Alert issued. But because they were so sure that she was a runaway, they didn't issue one. They should have, because two weeks after she was last seen, her body was discovered in a wooded area on January 26, 2018. Her ex-boyfriend, 17-year-old Nebu Ibrahim, confessed to strangling her in a blind rage, then hiding her body in the woods. He was sentenced to life in prison. Now, could the outcome of Jolie's fate been different had her case been properly investigated? Well, we'll never know because it wasn't. Next, we have the case of Daniel Robinson. Daniel Robinson is a 24-year-old geologist who went missing on June 23, 2021 while working in a remote area of Buckeye, Arizona. Police said that they have no evidence of foul play or violence or criminal activity. Even though Daniel's blue Jeep was found by a rancher one month after he was reported missing, but he has yet to be found. This next statement is directly from his dad, David Robinson II. Daniel Robinson was last seen the morning of June 23, 2021, leaving his work site in Buckeye, Arizona. He was driving his 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade and is believed to have headed west deeper into the desert terrain. On Tuesday, July 19, 2021, Daniel's vehicle was found by a rancher a little over two and a half miles from the work site in a remote part of the desert. On that day, the rancher reported the vehicle to Buckeye Police Department, who later did a search by ground and drone. The vehicle was recovered. Daniel was not found. 
Daniel has an innate passion for adventure and is known to travel in opportune moments. However, he always has communicated with his family on his travel plans. That day, Daniel was on the job when he went missing and was said to have been last seen by a worker from another company who worked with him at a well. He made plans to be with his family before going missing and look forward to that meeting in July. Daniel is a scientist that loves nature, loves his family, and expressed plans for his future. A missing persons report was filed the evening Daniel was last seen. And since then, our family has utilized all avenues to get law enforcement's help by asking them to launch an investigation into what happened to Daniel. Our next goal is to continue pushing forward to find out what happened to Daniel, even if it means no help from law enforcement. We will continue to seek support from anyone who wants to help. We won't settle for the minimum amount of searches and support sworn law enforcement and detectives are giving Daniel's case. The way that Daniel's case was handled from day one by law enforcement can easily cause him to become one of the many missing without ever having answers. And that's the last thing his family wants. That statement was taken directly from the website www.pleasehelpfinddaniel.com. As of today, he has been missing for eight months. This next case is actually one that I was going to dedicate an entire episode to because it is so bizarre to me. But I feel like it fits perfectly into this episode. Now, this case has also been covered by several podcasts, so you can get it in its entirety just by typing her name. Mytrice Richardson. When 24-year-old Mytrice went missing on September 17, 2009, It raised so many alarms because she was reportedly last in police custody. She was out to dinner on the day before at a restaurant in Malibu, California, and it was reported that she was acting erratically inside the restaurant and she was unable to pay her bill. The police were called and they actually arrested her for suspicion of not paying for the meal and possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. And they took her to a jail in Calabas, California. When they arrested her, they towed her car with all of her belongings in it away. According to her friends and family, she was struggling with some mental health issues at the time, and her mom made the police aware of this. The police spoke with her mom and stated that she would be released on the morning of September 17, 2009. And though her mom likely assumed it would be sometime after sunrise, police meant literally. They released her on her own, walking without any shoes, a little after midnight. Red flag already to me. The police officer said that they released her because she exhibited no signs of mental illness or intoxication. She was fine. She's an adult. After her mom made them aware of her issues. And just so that we are aware, mental illness does not have a look. At about 6.30 a.m., 
she was seen in the backyard of a home. And when the owner asked if she was okay, she said she was resting. They say the police were called, but that was the last time Matrice was seen. 11 months later, on August 9th, 2010, her body was found six and a half miles away from the police station that she was released from. She was naked and her clothes were scattered all over. She was found in an area known for producing pornography. And when her body was discovered, the detectives on the case removed her body against the order of the coroner. Though residents reportedly heard screams in that same area several nights after Matrice disappeared, her death was deemed to not be a homicide and there was no foul play. Though in 2011, her family did settle a civil lawsuit with L.A. County privately for $900,000 for the mishandling of the case. But there were no charges brought against any of the detectives. The last case that I'm going to bring to you today is that of Michael Darnell Bell Jr. Michael was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and he went to school at Michigan State University where he played football. He ended up moving to Los Angeles, California, where he was in the process of starting a nonprofit group home for homeless children. He also began to explore Scientology. His family described him as a giving, outgoing, and good-hearted man. On September 17, 2011, 25-year-old Michael was leaving a church service when he ran out of gas on the highway. When he ran out of gas, a California police highway patrol officer gave him a ride and dropped him off at a Chevron gas station. And this is the last time he was seen. He was supposed to take a trip to his hometown of Cleveland, but he never arrived and didn't answer his family's repeated calls. His loved ones checked his apartment in Los Angeles and found his phone and personal belongings there, and food was in the microwave. His family reported him missing on September 22, 2011. The last contact that he had with his family was a conversation with his mother on September 16, 2011, the day before he went missing. He did not discuss with her where he was going, but his mom said that he sounded fine and just up and leaving was not like him. The investigation has failed to identify Michael's whereabouts or any information revealing what occurred after he was left at that Chevron gas station by the highway patrol. It's been over 10 years. He will be 36 today and he is still missing. He is, however, considered endangered missing, as he should be. When Michael Darnell Bell Jr. went missing, he was a six foot, 190 pound black male with short black hair. He has the word Mike, M-I-K-E, tattooed on his inner forearm and Bell tattooed on the other forearm. If you have any information about Michael Bell, you can contact the Los Angeles Police Department at 213-996-1800 or Fresno County Sheriff's Office at 559-488-3111.
I could literally sit here and go through case after case after case with you. Like the case of 22-year-old Akia Eggleston, who was eight months pregnant when she disappeared. And police said she left on her own free will. Just this month, her murderer was arrested. Or 25-year-old Jelani Day, who went missing, and his case was not only not properly looked into, but then overshadowed by the media coverage of Gabby Petito. Then his remains were later discovered. Or eight-year-old Relisha Rudd, who was last seen with a janitor from a homeless shelter who ended up killing himself, and she is still missing to this day, and her family is still searching for answers. So many cases, so much injustice, and so much wasted police potential. I am fully aware of how many layers a missing person case has to it and how America is obsessed with the missing white woman syndrome. So much so that they make movies after them. They have them broadcasted on every single media outlet there is. But we have to do better when it comes to people of color. I know how frustrating these cases can be and how plentiful they are, but they are so deserving of a light being shed on them as well. And there are two sources that are dedicated directly to cases such as these. Black and Missing Foundation and Our Black Girls are two Black-owned organizations that are doing a phenomenal job highlighting missing people of color in America and how they are often marginalized by law enforcement. Derricka Wilson is one of the co-founders of Black and Missing, and the work that she and her sister-in-law puts behind this is nothing less than stellar. As a former law enforcement officer herself and her sister-in-law being in public relations, they have had a huge hand in bringing closure to so many families and getting them the exposure they need when it comes to their missing children and loved ones. They were recently highlighted in a short series on HBO called Black and Missing that I would highly recommend you guys watching. And Erica Rivers, who runs Our Black Girls, has dedicated her time to bringing awareness to missing black girls all over America. I will put their information in the description box as well because these cases need just as much attention as the Gabby Petitos, the Elizabeth Smarts, and the Lacey Petersons of the world. And they're just not getting it. So use these references and you can do your part by raising awareness too. Thank you guys so much for joining me this month. I do hope that not only did you enjoy these episodes, but you also learned something in the process. Until next time, Couch Detectives, keep an eye out on your backyard. <laughs>